Okay, for our first message, it will be brought to us by Mr. Doyle Carter. It is entitled, Being Many Are One Body. Good afternoon, everybody. Let me get set up here. Hopefully, everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I did. I went home went straight to sleep after I ate. But it was very fun. And then the funny thing is, the day before, we actually had a potluck with brisket at work. So I got definitely felt a little fatter than usual recently. The company decided to, have, instead of buying us turkeys, just have us a lunch. So for the sake of time, we'll start up. The title is Being Many, but Are, <clears throat> but are One Body. I've had a friend actually compare his church, or the church, to a community, basically of like mind, which is basically a good analogy for a community. And we definitely are, if you just look at our church in particular, you know, we, we, are, we have like mind. In, many, in some ways, we're not exactly alike, but in, in a lot of ways, we are. We Sabbath, holy days, I mean, we believe in eating clean foods and so forth. We definitely are like community. And the definition of a community is, two of them I liked specifically when I went to Google, a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. And the second one, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals, which is what a church is, pretty much. Whether you're whatever denomination you are, in our case, like I say, we're, we believe in Sabbath and we do the stuff we do. And so just to kind of break the ice with quotes, just today, there's a, several people who made some very interesting quotes. Helen Keller had said once, alone we can do little. Together we can do so much. And this is very true, because if I may fuss about my company and my coworkers, but if we didn't work together, we wouldn't get much done. I can say that now, because we're sending a lot of our coworkers off to other states, and it's becoming difficult to do things. But when we work together, we get a lot done. Paul Ryan says every successful individual, that is every successful individual, knows that he, his or her achievement depends on the community of people working together. And then the last one was William Ballman. A community is a group of people who have come together and they work and live and try to try and improve the standard of living, the quality of living. And that's basically what we do. We join church. At least that last one does apply because we join, come to church. We listen to the messages. We hang out like after services. We discuss our lives. We try to improve our quality of living by sharing what we know about the Bible, what we need to learn. Like I had an issue I talked to Maxine about something that's happening at the apartments. She gave a story which I can use as a helping, a helping advice. We help each other. The body is the... Church is compared to a community or a body, and we see this first, at least one place, is in Isaiah 10, Isaiah 1, 1 through 10. And I, it's not a main scripture, it's just we see how Israel's compared as a community as to a body that's sick and has sores. And, and, we, and we see that that's the case in that analogy. So the analogy that Paul pulls for the Corinthians is not really new. Because the New Old Testament talks about, like I say, with Isaiah 1, 
that God just pulls up this analogy of, well, Israel, you're just like a body that's got sores and the head is sick and all that. Do you compare? Well, Paul, when he's talking to Corinthians, used the same analogy of the human body in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26, as far as how the church also works. And a little more positive than the first analogy. To start with that, we'll go to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. For those writing notes, it's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we, are, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, we all have been made to drink into one spirit, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many members. And just as we can see that in the human body itself, it has multiple functions, like right now my back is kind of sore, so the rest of my body is kind of compensating for it. You know, arms, legs, they do their thing. In the church, it's, it's almost exactly the same. We have people who are different backgrounds and walk, walks of life. We have a person who works at like a uh, retail here. We have, uh, he's not here right now, but a carpet cleaner. If you want to pick on me, a data storage slash data entry slash whatever. I work in a data storage environment. And we have people who are lawyers. We have the church is just made up of a bunch of people. We got even a, an inspector, a quality control inspector in our group, retirees. The church is made up of a bunch of people from all walks of life. And even we can go as far as saying that we even got people from another country. We got two people from England, of all things, too. So, you know, we, we really, we diverse. And this is true with every little church. Even Tom Justice's church had, I think we had a sound man, which actually did work for sound. Uh, Tom worked as a printer. So, I mean, every, everybody has their own qualities and what they did as a background. To go further with this, Paul kind of elaborates on the matter in Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Now, therefore, we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fit, fit together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God and in his spirit. So we see we're put it, being put into the household of God. Family, just like we did in Thanksgiving. We're in a household. We're being put in a household. And we're now members of that. And we are being also, it also says that being built on a foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the Old Testament, New Testament, what it says, Jesus Christ himself, the cornerstone. And we're being, being 
built together. So we're still working on things. That's how I took that scripture when I read it. It may not be exact, but I can actually see that like at the feast. We had some complications which were not ever expressed. And we're still working on a few things. But it worked out. And we're still messing, taking care of things. And Christ is the cornerstone of this whole body. We see this. He is the head of the church. And my reference to this is in Ephesians 5.23. In Ephesians 5.23, for the household, I'm sorry, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. So we're built upon him, but the foundation is also built on the apostles and the prophets. Because Christ did say he was the way, the truth, and the life. Now to continue on in 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 19. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 19. If the foot says, because I'm not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the, not of the body? And if the ear shall, not, shall, shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the body, is it not therefore of the body? If the whole body were the eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole, whole was hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set members, each of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? That is true, actually. I was reading that. If I could not, if my, my all I had was, say I didn't have my hair, sight, and I'm, what you all don't know, I come in here early on Saturday to practice. I can imagine if I didn't have eyesight, I'd run into these chairs because I actually walk. That's how I think for some reason. And I need the eyesight. It's a very valuable part. But so is the hearing, and so is the other parts. Your body functions because all, its, all the functions of, the, of every individual function creates a functioning organism. It's able to work. And God has chosen each and every one of you for a purpose. Like I said at the feast, don't... I don't want to, you'd have to train me to lead songs. I'm not going to dare God like I did then, so you can't get me up there to lead songs. I'll just say, you'd have to train me. Leading songs and singing is not my strong point. But we've got individuals here in this church. It is a strong point. We've got Matthew. We've got Benjamin coming up now to help out. We've got other individuals. We've got people who could do that. We've got individuals who can do certain roles very well because God has given them a gift to do so, whatever that gift is. You know, and let's go into that. In Romans 12, 4 through 8, he goes into some of the gifts, just a few of them. I'm not going to go into the gifts very big. I'm just going to go in briefly. But in Romans 12, 4 through 8, for we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Just like I said, we don't have the same function. So we being, being many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another, having then gifts 
differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And then it goes through a list. And this is not a comprehensive list, I'm pretty sure, but this is a list. If prophecy, let us prophesy in the portion to our faith. Or ministry, let us minister, let, it, let us minister, okay, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, who gives with liberal, 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 liberally, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There's other gifts. Because sometimes, like let's, say, let's just pick on um, exhortation. What if somebody in our church has a problem, and it's not necessarily theirs, but they need encouragement. You might have the gift of coming up and saying, you know, really encourage them. Say, hey, it's okay. I've been through this. God has helped me out. Here's how to do it. I'm here to help you. You've just shown a gift of helping someone out. You're, you're encouraging. You may have the ability to teach. We have teachers back there right now actually teaching our youth and helping them out because we need teachers like that. We need people out there to do it because that's another function of the church. Mercy, you know, when something doesn't go quite right, you might just politely just let it go and just say, well, don't do it again. You know, and then try to cover, you know, not as a cover, that comes out bad. But, you know, show mercy when somebody's trying to repent or change or a mistake has happened instead of just, you know, causing more issues than it's worth. And it also makes a point that we're to use our gifts. And I remember talking to Reggie, and it's just, and all I know that Reggie gave me advice on it was just, you know, if you don't know your gift, you just pray about it and let God show you what to do, and you just do what you need. Let God show you. And that's true. Because, and some of us may be in reserve. Like, I'll, I'll give an example. They're not here right now. The person's not here, but I needed someone to help with offerings one day. I think it was Day of Atonement. And two people who never seemed to help came and helped. They, they said, how can I help you, Dole? Here's a basket. <laughs> and then I need help. They were there to help. They were in reserve, which was really nice because we had a really low turnout that day for some reason. I'm not sure what was going on, but it happened. And it was nice to, and it, that also happened at the feast when we had a low turnout or had something go with one of our offerings. didn't quite go, didn't have enough volunteers. And then suddenly had more volunteers than I can handle. But that's okay. A little learning experience in there for me and that. So start, start learning how to instruct a little bit would be a good thing. But that's what we may be in reserve, but we all have a talent. We've all been pulled to this church, to the church, the body of God, whether whatever church you're in, to do something, to be a part of that church. Now, we'll go a little further in this. Let's go to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he himself gave, or I'm sorry, let's just start that over again. I know what I'm thinking. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to the perfect man to be to the measure and of the statue of the fullness of Christ. 
So that's why we have preachers, teachers, and to help us out, instruct us how we include the Bible. And it's dropped down to verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what... Okay, start that over. Ah, it's been a long week, all that turkey. I'm just going to blame the turkey on this one. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of its, itself in love. So we're put together for a reason. Whatever that may be, God has called us, brought us together, whatever our talents, we're knit together to do what we need to do. I know that like at the feast, we don't ever, surprising enough, because somebody said, oh, it just functions so well. We don't have volunteers until we actually show up, except for a few of them. I mean, we got Sean and Robbie and a few others, but other than them, we normally just buy the, fly by the seat of our pants. I mean, we just go, who wants to help? And God has sent them to help us. Here, we have, like I said, teachers. The teachers of the kids. The world is trying to grab our kids. And actually trying to get us, too. We're just not as easy sometimes because us old people get kind of, well, not old, but older people get kind of stuck in our ways and it's a little harder. But kids still have that mushy mind that could be moved. And if we didn't have teachers going out there every Sabbath, teaching lessons, saying, hey, this is the way the, what the Bible says, open up this, have them read it, do whatever they do, you know, however they relate to the children, get them to think about it, get them drawn in. We've got teachers up here, like Steve and others, who preach us every week. We listen to them, we think about it, we take the, the sermons, we hopefully meditate on what we hear every week, whether it's whoever, I just pick on Steve because he's next. But, you know, whoever it may be, you know, Matt or whoever, when they speak, we got teachers. Because the world is, well, I was talking to someone this morning, I said, well, I was talking to kids, and he said, that's not true. They're actually pulling, the world is trying to pull all of us, not just the kids, all of us. And we need to be really close to God, and that's what part of it. And the other function of the church is food. My favorite, being a bachelor, my favorite part of it. And we have what I call a kitchen staff, and I've already got permission to say that, kitchen staff. They work in the kitchen to make sure we're well fed after service so we can fellowship. Because like in some cultures, the Japanese, if I understand correct, actually when they do business, they go to a meal, which is more relaxing. They, they're able, and we do the same thing when we fellowship after church or maybe after we have the praise and worship. We have a big potluck and then we all just kind of waddle to the house and go to sleep because we're full. And we're, we've done, we've got great cooks and they maintain that. You've got a... a a cleanup staff, me, but we, I do have helpers. I've noticed that sometimes like certain teenagers will go out and bigger teenagers, I'm looking at them right now, bigger teenagers will take the trash out or they might vacuum a little bit to help. We have a cleanup staff. It helps the church to function. We have an election for a board of, a board of trustees. As much as I don't like administration, I will admit that off the top of the deal. And, and it's only because of my job half the time, because they don't always act rational as far as I'm concerned, but it works. But we have a board of trustees, and we're going to elect. And they're, they're essential to the church function, too, because without them, who is gonna, who's going to handle the money, money, the financial matters? Who's going to handle, like, with, say, the, 
Uh, let's say we have an issue with the parking lot. Like, well, we had an issue with the driveway over there flooding. Who's going to handle that? That's what the Board of Trustees is there to kind of evaluate any options to fix it. We need these parts of the body. And it takes a, a group of good people to serve in whatever means that God provides to help with these functions. Because that's what we do. Things have to be done. And God will grant us the workers to do all this. Now to continue in verse, in verse 24, in 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 26, I skipped a few there just to, for time's sake. In, in verse 24, 1 Corinthians 12, 24. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that they should be no schism in the body, but that the, ma the members should have the same care for one another. And if one suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Two points. When one of us, I mentioned that, one of us had, actually two of us, not me, but two of us, in the church actually had job issues. And we all prayed, and God opened up the right doors at the right time. But we were there to encourage that individual or those individuals. And when they got the jobs, we celebrated. You know, shaking hands, yay, they got a job. That's what we do. We support each other when someone suffers. You know, if somebody passes away in someone's family, you're there. You, you, you're there to help them. That's what you're there, to encourage them, to be with them. And the other point was the schism part. There would be no schism. In some groups, and I'm not mentioning ours or any specific group, sometimes situations can be handled a little off or wrong, as I put it in the notes, can be handled in, they can be handled, let's see, how do I put it? There are, there are basically there are proper ways and mature ways of dealing with the issues in the church, and at times, we suffer when we do not follow the proper way or the mature methods to correct problems. And we had something at the feast, as I said, we're not getting into it. It wasn't quite the way it should have happened. Okay, and it was dealt with. And if you don't know what it is, don't worry about it. But it was, it was a human situation dealing with no one here, of course, and it, it was dealt with. But that's, it was an improper way of handling it. We should have, you know, they should have done it like Christ would have said, you know, first go to your brother, explain that this is a problem, they don't listen, bring someone else, and so forth. There are ways of handling problems. And I'm guilty of it too, by the way. I'm, in the past, I would actually cause my own problems. I said, oh, he said, I'm my own worst enemy. I work on my own worst enemy because I open my mouth sometimes when I don't mean to and <laughs> irritate bosses. <coughs> I think I did it this week too. But it's a learning process. We're not going to be perfect at first, and it's a part of learning because when we make mistakes, we learn from them, and we don't do them again, or we try not to ever do them again. And it, you know, I, I don't use I pointed out just because sometimes in some churches you've had people actually split up in churches because they want they fight over the color of the carpet. Really, who cares? You know, I mean, I've heard of a church that split in half because of that. There's no need in that. So basically, in summary, in summary, God is creating a family or a community. He's called us all out. You know, he's called us. He'll call the world eventually, but right now he's called us for whatever reason he has. 
And Paul compares in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26, as to the Corinthians as an example that the church is like a body, the body of Christ. And it's, it's built with different people of different backgrounds, diverse experiences, and they can be from teachers. We actually do have real teachers in the church, I mean, who actually were in high school and all that. And they have these experiences. And God has placed us all together in, for his will with the use of those diversity skill, those skills to help the church. And as a body, we are to work together as a family and community to help each other along the path toward eternal life by encouraging one another, by, by helping us to encourage one another to develop our gifts that God provides for us. Basically, like, well, I'll give you an example. Like, at the feast, we've had the teenagers help greet. We are trying to encourage their talents a little bit because some of us aren't going to be up here forever. One of these days, this sore back ain't going to be a sore back. It's going to be a, it's going to be a cane, maybe. But until then, you know, it'd be nice to get the young people trained and other people. And by helping one another and developing our, our gifts, we don't just help our fellow brother. You're not just helping your fellow brother. We assist ourselves to grow into the person that God wants us to be for a much higher goal after this life. By serving, we actually grow ourselves. It's a win-win situation. I love win-win situation. Where we help others, and in reality, it helps us to become what God wants us to become one of these days. So when the kingdom comes, we are, more, we are being trained. Like I always said, God never wastes time. So he's got a win-win situation. So basically, God has set a higher goal for our lives. And it starts with, of course, repentance and baptism and all that. But it also starts with being a part of the body of the church or Christ and developing our talents that God provides for us. And then that helps us to grow and mature into awesome people over time. It takes time. Once we grow up, then God, eventually God can put us in a, a bigger purpose. So do not neglect anyone in the church because we are part of one awesome body. We're part of God's body. 